What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, episode 83. So I guess you can call this our James Thrash episode. And I know I ain't been here in a while, but guess what? If you smell that, football is in the air. So you know what that means. We're going to have a lot more content. We're going to be pushing out everything. But before we get into the nitty gritty of this episode, be sure to comment, be sure to like, and be sure to subscribe. I'm about 70% to 1K. Let's see if we can reach 1,000 subscribers before football season because I have a special surprise for you know, a 1,000 subscriber giveaway. Um, I can't let you guys know just yet. Um, I don't want to spoil it. Let's make sure we get the 1K first. Um, but without further ado, you see we got the man, the myth, the legend in the building, my dog, Mr. Washington Commander, Mr. YouTube, Mr. Content King, Mr. Rio Robinson. What's up with you, man? How you doing today? What's going on, brother, man? First of all, we got to get you to that 1K ASAP, get you that monetization, bro. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure I post this shit out and spam it to everybody in the world, too, bro. It's football season, man. It's football season, and I'm glad. I appreciate you for that, but I really think that this is going to be a quality episode, not only because, you know, us two are on the show and all we oh, do is know. produce quality uh, content, but I have a, a fun a fun little game that I want to play today, um, a fun little exercise that I want to, want to you know, run off with you today um, as we go throughout this season. You know, with camp being a little over a week away, I want to play a game to get a gauge of how we're feeling going into the 2023 season. How does that sound? That sounds phenomenal, man. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And, bro, it's year three as us being season ticket holders, bro. It's year three of training camp takeover. You ready? I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, man, football season has really just snuck up on me this year. I don't know what's going on with 2023. This joint is moving so fast. I don't know if you feel the same, man, but I feel like just – Last season, we was up in the booth watching the Vikings game, and I was watching that Kirk Cousins quarterback game when they um, when they came to Washington. I was like, we was up there having that all twenty two vision up there in the press box. Yeah, I know exactly that feeling, man. Um, Sweet yeah, life. <laughs> yeah, football season is around the corner, and to give you guys a timestamp, as I do for every episode, it's about eight o'clock on Monday, July seventeenth. So that means that training camp is officially underway in ten days. How you feel about that, man? 10 days bro and we got and three days down and we got down. and we got three days away from snyder being out of our lives forever bro it's euphoric right now bro yeah yeah so while the vibes is high and while we're feeling good let's play this game so i'm gonna i'm gonna play this game i'll run this game off on you uh this is commanders this or that so the way that this game is played i'm gonna just run off a number of scenarios a number of questions um, regarding the Washington Commanders in the 2023 season, just to gauge how you feeling about some of our stars, some of our, you know, front office, um, you know, prospects, some of our coaching staffs. You know, you never know where we're going to go with Bleed and BNG. How you feel about this, man? Sounds good, man. This is all off the cuff. This is how I like it, man. We do this. All right, cool, cool. So I'm going to start off with a softball. So without further ado, we have Commanders, this or that. All right, so our softball for number one. Which one? Oh, and before I get in too deep into the game, before I delve into the game uh, for my subscribers and all our, our viewers watching this, if you guys think that some of these questions might be a little too lofty, might be a little too, you know, erroneous, might be a little too, you know, extraordinary, you might think that we're just, you know, got our burgundy colored lenses on as Washington Commander fans. I want you guys to remember, though, 
going to every season. We expect almost every player to take a leap, to take a leap going into the season. So we expect them to produce better than they did in the 2022 season, especially if in their uh, if they're in their prime. And I don't think I have any agent vets on here who we might start to expect to decline. Um, so if you think that some of these are lofty, um, you might want to go back and look at these stats because if we want to be a good football team, these are some of the some of the stats that some good organizations put up in the NFL. So let's start. We gotta, we gotta hold our guy to high standards, man. We got to. We got to. Hey, it's it's a new it's a new everything over here. We got a new owner, so guess what? Comes with new standards and high expectations. How that sound? Yes, sir. Let's All go. right, so let's start with this softball. All right, so which player do you think is more likely to have 500 receiving yards in the 2023 season? <laughs> I know. I think I know what's going. <laughs> Brown or Cole Turner? Give me your answer and explain why. I want to say Diami so bad, bro. Just two years ago, me and you in the flesh in Richmond. When camp was in Richmond, we were called the football team. Richmond Diami Brown. Friday night football at FedEx Diami Brown. He looked like he was going to be one of the more talented receivers on the roster. And it just never went into fruition on Sundays. He's been blanketed. He's not found a way to get off press, man. I'm going Cole Turner because that's probably a wild answer to a lot of people. But I think Han... Terry and Curtis are going to do so much in the receiver game that it's got to be a tight end that gets more yards in this situation. Deami probably shooting for a nice 350 and a couple touchdowns. He got to make that 350 count, but I think it's going to be Cole Turner. I think him and Logan, they're going to be on the field both a lot, and I think he's going to be a goal line guy. He was probably going to have more touchdowns than yards, but I would say I would put my money on Cole Turner getting 500 yards before Deami because for Deami, I got to see it to believe it. And I love the content on this channel, but I got to see it on a Sunday and even in a preseason game before I can believe the hype. Ah, real. You know, you're my guy. <laughs> you know you're my guy. So I hate to have to disagree with you on the first question. <laughs> and this is, this is coming from a guy who coined the term, Deami Brown, just be out there running around. Running around. But I'm going to have to go with Deami Brown. And here's a few reasons why. He's connected with his college quarterback. And I think we just mentioned it in the group chat. I went back when you said it. You were like, I'm going back and watching Sam's, you know, sophomore year highlights. And Diami was balling, bro. Mm -hmm. Diami was balling. And I know that you said that you projected him around 350 yards. Well, he had close to 300 last year. And if I'm expecting him to take a leap, I think that he'll do it with somebody that he's familiar with in a quarterback like Sam Howe. Um, I think that there, there wasn't a coincidence that the Albert Breer article came out and they were mentioning how the, the army is shined in every OTA session um, this offseason. And you know Ron Rivera and Albert Breer are pretty close, so he has to be getting that from somewhere. Um, so I looked at that two kind of ways, you know, because like you said, we both saw Friday night the Army Brown in Richmond, and he what looked time? like the next Stefan Diggs. So what I know that the cap capabilities are there, or I, uh, and I, or I thought maybe you know Ron is putting fillers out there as trade bait for the Army Brown. Um, but I'm gonna go with the Army Brown because, like you said, we see a lot, and I even saw Cole Turner come last year in training camp and look like prime Jimmy Graham, oh but then God. he had a slow start to the year. Um, I don't know if he's ready for that NFL physicality. I hope he is. Um, but that's one of the few reasons why I'm going to go with Diami Brown. Are you ready for question number two? I respect it. I'm ready. All right. Which one is more likely to happen? Both of these players are going into two huge years. These are prospective contract years 
for both of these players. Um, not in a sense for the first player. This player um, is going into his third year. So this is the year where, you know, the organization determines if they're going to pick up his fifth year option or not. So, you know, it's a perspective, you know, contract year. This is his, you know, breakout year. Um, he okay. needs to ball out if he wants to get paid. And then there's another player who's playing on the last year of his deal who's in extension talks. Um, and we haven't really heard any progressions or things like that. So which one of these are more likely to happen? So I say this to say, um, I set it up that way to presume that both of these players need to have a big year if they want to get the bat. Both of them. Both of them need to have a, get, a big year if they want to get the bat. So which one is more likely to happen? Jamin Davis have 130 combined tackles? Or Cam Curl force five turnovers on the season? Ooh, that's spicy. I like this. I just dropped the Cam Curl video today. And that's crazy that you said the number 130 because I was just talking to my pops the other day. And I told him to see, to, to know for sure I want Jamin here long term. He needs to show me he can get 130 plus tackles combined in a season. So, so not, to, not to cut you off, let me, let me. It's crazy that you say that because I set the question up initially as 150. Um, because 150 would have placed them in the top um, 11. I think the top 10, the uh, number 10 had like 151. But then I looked back, I was like, let me see what Jamin did last year. Then I saw a mirror 104. I was like, let me not get too ahead of myself and let me put it at 130. So it, it, it put I put a lot of thought into that number. So I appreciate you showing that recognition. Hell yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 130 is the exact same number I was thinking. 150 is too lofty. I need to see a third 130 before I can see 150. But I think out of the two, I think it's going to be Jamin because it's a more feasible number. Five turnovers is hard to force. Cam is the heartbeat of our secondary, but Cam hasn't forced a turnover since his rookie year of 2020 and where he forced three. And it, the turnovers come a dime a dozen. Ask Benjamin St. Juice. He hasn't forced a turnover since he was in high school in Canada. So I'm going Jamin Davis for 130 plus tackles this year. He better give me 130 plus or we shouldn't even consider that fifth year option. I'm going number 52. Get your ass out there training camp, whatever procedure you got done to clean up, whatever. I need to see you out there uh, expeditiously. All right, my guy. So this one I'm going to actually agree with you on. Um, and a talk between, you know, Washington Commanders, Twitter, with a lot of the Madden ratings coming out and the safeties list coming out. And everybody's like, whoa, Cam Curl's a top 10 safety. Cam Curl's a top 10 safety. Well, you can be a top 10 safety if you don't force um, any turnovers in the accumulation of two years. I love what Cam Curl does. He's a super smart player. Um, he's, he's heady in the box. You know, he brings an aspect of, you know, the mental side of the game. But you got to be able to force turnovers. And, like, I agree with you. Turnovers do come a dime a dozen. But guess what? Derek Forrest forced six of them last year. I know. He oh, did. He forced <laughs> six of them last year. So that's why I put the number at five. Because I don't know if you recall in the chat maybe a couple weeks ago, I mentioned, I was like, are we sure that Cam Curl is better than Derek Forrest? Because um, yeah. I just watched some Derek Forrest highlights. Um, and Derek Forrest seems like, you know, he's he might have the ball hawking capability that a guy like Cam might not have. So I do Defoe agree. nice, bro. <laughs> yeah, Defoe is nice. But I do agree with you that I think that Jamin Davis, 130 tackles is feasible. Um, he was coming on at the end of the, um, this past year. And if we do remember, Jamin was playing only about 40 to 60 percent of the snaps in the first couple of weeks of the season. So I do project him to get a lot more of the snap share hold. That's why I think that the 130 tackles for Jamin Davis is more feasible. How do you, how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, man, I agree with you, man. But I'll tell you this as a disclaimer. If we give Cam that bag before the season, I hope it's the latter. I hope it's Cam that gets the five turnovers because if he gets a bag, I need to see bag-type turnover-worthy plays. Yeah, if Cam give me five turnovers, he can get he can get all the money. So he can get all the money. He can get whatever you want. But let's move on to number three. All right, I like this one. I love this one. This is one I spent a lot of time working on. Which one is more likely to happen? Brian Robinson rushing for 1,300 yards or Antonio Gibson having 700 receiving yards. So let me tell you, um, Brian, the reason that I put 1,300 for Brian Robinson, he had 797 yards in 12 games. So that put him on pace for a little over 1,100. So if we're projecting him to take a leap, you know, if we're projecting him to take that second year leap, you know, a year removed from getting shot, 1,300 doesn't seem like a crazy number. And then Antonio Gibson is a guy that had 353 receiving yards last season, which was his career high. But we've all heard the talk of how he's been a receiver. We've heard it four years running now. But he's talking like he believes that Eric Bieniemy is the guy to unlock his receiving capabilities. So I don't think that 700 is an unfeasible number either. But I do say, if one of these happen, I know the other one isn't because they're not going to be sharing the backfield. So we have to make a decisive decision on which one. So which one do you think is more likely? Byron Robinson, 1,300 rushing yards or Antonio Gibson, 700 receiving yards? How many times have we heard that, yeah, we're going to use Antonio Gibson the right way. He's going to get that J.D. McKissick, that utility back. We're going to split him out wide. We're going to bring him back to his Memphis days where he actually got very minimal touches when he was in college. But I'm going Brian Robinson Jr., Ooh. man. I'm going Brian Robinson. I know you remember a couple of weeks ago in the chat, I said Brian Robinson is running for over 1,100 this year. So I'm going to go ahead and round up about 150 because I said 11, 11, 1,150 was going to be his total yardage rushing for the season. I think there's a better chance for Brian Robinson to run for 1,300 in a 17-game season coached by Eric Bieniemy in his West Coast offense than there is Gibson getting 700 receiving yards. I don't think Gibson has 700 receiving or rushing. He has around 800 to 900 total yards because I won't believe the Antonio Gibson hype train till I see it. There's a lot of guys on the team. They got to show it to me, man. They got to show. He's in a contract year, so you know production comes out of nowhere it drops out of the chimney like christmas morning when it comes to contract seasons but i gotta see it with the guy uh, i definitely want to see him catching passes more than i want to see him getting carries because antonio gibson between the tackles makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes but if we i just want to use him like we used him week one with carson last year it looked beautiful it worked so well we never went back to the well again i want to see him get catches but i can't see 700 receiving yards for antonio gibson so i'm going be rob kinfolk let's go my guy my guy i'm gonna have to disagree with you on this one as well uh you know both of us have been hard on antonio gibson but i still think that there's a uber talented player in there somewhere we hear he's good in space. We haven't necessarily seen it outside of his rookie year, but I do. Um, and one of the reasons that I believe this, I forgot who he did an interview with, uh, but he was like, man, they've been talking about me being a receiver. And like, I've, I've done that. Yeah, he was like, but shit, like they, they ain't did it yet. So I think that this year, I think that he believes that Eric Bieniemy is the guy to unlock his receiving prowess. And I'm going to go 
Uh, I believe that as well. I'm going to go with that belief as well. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think that he does have the capability of um, hitting 700 receiving yards because I don't think they're going to be that two-to-one run and pass ratio they were talking about in January, that bullshit, they, that archaic bullshit they were talking about in January. And if we look at Eric Bieniemy's offenses, um, outside of like with the Minnesota Vikings where he had probably the mm-hmm. best running back in the 2000s outside of maybe LaDainian Tomlinson, he's never had a bell cow back. Look at all the offenses um, outside of Jamal Charles, but guess what? Jamal Charles was a scat back as well. So he had 700 receiving yards as well. I don't think that Brian Robinson has that type of receiving capability. So I think you'll need a, a scat back in there. They realized that Antonio Gibson can do it in the back half of the season. So I think that Eric Bieniemy is just going to build on that, um, you know, success that he had um, when he filled in for J.D. McKissick towards the end of last year. I like I like that we're splitting the difference on these and we got I different love perspectives. I love, I love this. That's why that's why I didn't want to give you the questions earlier because I I know great minds, great minds. I know we're gonna put mm-hmm. together some great content and some great thoughts and some great discussions for our viewers to ponder on. You ready for question number four? Yes, sir. All right. Now this one we might be looking through our burgundy tinted lenses, but Sam, which one is <laughs> which one is more likely to happen? Jahan Dotson ten receiving touchdowns. Well, Terry McLaurin, 1,500 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you why, why I went with these numbers. Jahan had seven touchdowns in 12 games. So if you want to go on pace for a 17-game season, that puts him around 13 or 14 for the season. So 10 might be selling him short. Now, that is an astro- astronomical pace that I don't think that he'll you know live up to this season. But if he plays a 17-game season, I don't I don't see any reason why he can't have 10 touchdowns. Despite his, you know, small stature, I think he's probably our best red zone threat outside of a tight end because of how suddenly he gets open. And in the red zone with those tight windows and things like that, you need a guy who's sudden. That's why Antonio Brown was so effective in the red zone. But then you look at a guy like Terry McLaurin, who's our, you know, undisputed one wide receiver number one. Um, a guy who Madden 24 declared a top 10 receiver in the league. I think he came in eight. at seven, seven for eight. eight. Yes. Eight. So yeah. a top eight receiver in the league coming off a career high with 1,191 yards, nine yards short of that 1,200 mark, which what I would love to hear. But another reason I went with this 1,500 yard mark, man, is because I'm tired of when I'm debating Terry McLaurin with other receivers. Setting it, setting it up with the disclaimer of quarterback play because his numbers don't match up. So I think that this might be the season that his numbers match up to the talent and, you know, he produces an all-pro type season. So which one is more likely to happen, man? Jahan Dotson, Terry receiving touchdowns or Terry McLaurin, 1,500 receiving yards? I like this one. And I love the burgundy-coated lenses on this question because one of these things is going to probably happen. Like, I really believe in Sam Howell, bro. Like, right. I really feel like we have a quarterback in this dude. And I've seen Terry pull out 1,100 yards with some of the worst quarterback play that you could imagine at this level. I I think at some point, Jahan emerges as the most talented receiver on the mm. team. But I think Terry going for 1,500 is more likely because – all everything's on the table if we can just get adequacy for 17 weeks it doesn't have to be like terry has shown playing with 10 quarterbacks in four years that he will put out a thousand yards with me or you playing quarterback for this team if he just gets competency he doesn't have to be the best quarterback in the league top half of the league quarterback play and non-mismanaging the ball 
Terry can go for 1,500 yards. And I want to see respect put on his name because I keep hearing all these things from divisional rival, just like you're talking about with C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown. I'm like, bro, they get to play with one quarterback every year. They get to build the rapport, relationship, and they can they expect their targets all the time. We tried out three quarterbacks a year. If we can just keep stability at that position, Terry may finally break out as the superstar that we've envisioned him being since the last four years. I agree with you on this one. And I'm not going to be too long because, you know, this is Zoom, so we got to get out of here pretty soon. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Terry McLaurin, th- I'm going to keep it short and simple. Terry McLaurin probably would have had a 1,500-yard receive, uh, re- receiving season already if we had a quarterback that could have hit him downfield. Oh, if you add up some of the misses, the if, if a quarterback can hit Terry half the times that they've missed him in his career, he might have already had two 1,500-yard seasons, a 1,300-yard season, um, if you add him on top of the production that he's already had. So that's a simple explanation for why I think that the 1,500 yards for Terry McLaurin might be more in the 2023 season. All right, going on to number five. This is our spiciest one yet. We got a couple more before we get out of here. This is our spiciest one yet. And I say that because if either one of these happen, I believe that we're Super Bowl contenders. I believe that we're Super Bowl contenders. If even words, man. <laughs> Sam Howe eclipsed a record that hasn't been broken since 1967 by a Washington quarterback with 30 passing touchdowns. Or Chase Young returns to generational form and has at least 13 and a half sacks. Oh man, this is the one right here. This, this is the one right here because either of these will really catapult this team into contention right now. All okay. Right. I have one stipulation. The sa- oh, so you mean passing touchdowns. Passing touchdowns. And thank you. Thank you for asking for clarification. Passing touchdowns. Because if you guys have checked out our social media, I did a season projection for Sam Howe where I had him doing um had him um eclipsing 31 total touchdowns, but only 27 passing touchdowns. And everybody's like, dude, you're tripping if you think he's going to be the first quarterback to break this record in somewhat years. No, I didn't think that he was going to break the record. I had 27 passing touchdowns with four rushing touchdowns. Before, you know, the case of this game, commanders this or that, we're going 30 passing touchdowns or Chase Young, 13 and a half sacks. I know what I want to say, but – I'm sorry, bro. I watched that video today, and I've been watching Chase in the lab, bro. I think Chase might be back. Chase might be ready to make a lot of people, including myself, eat crow. And I think not getting the fifth-year option picked up may have finally flipped that switch. He looks like the burst is back. Fingers crossed and knock on wood. He gets through camp looking like the same explosion. I'm going with Chase Young, man. He looks like a dude. If he can finally put it together, he's working with Larry Johnson again. If he learns how to use them hands and add some technique to his pass rush plan, he's easily going to be a 14, 15 sack guy. I watched Ryan Kerrigan get 14 sacks before. Chase Young is just so superior Superiorly talented, but Ryan Kerrigan had a better tool bag and was more technically sound. Chase Young, please make me right right now. 14 plus sacks in 2023. Let's go. I agree with you on this one, bro. And let me tell you, you said it perfectly. I'm going to have to eat crow on this one, too. And the reason that I'm going to go with you, and I'm glad that we did this episode today, to be 100% honest with you, bro, seeing Chase Young work out with Larry Johnson today on that video made my day. 
Maybe. It made my day because it shows that he's locked in. This is the same guy that he worked with his rookie year when he was, you know, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, I know he couldn't work with him last year off the torn ACL, but, you know, he was buying that hype after the rookie season. I, I didn't see him working with Larry Johnson in 2021. But if he's able to regain that, you know, generational form, and outside of just working with Larry Johnson, he was moving well on that leg, cutting, pivoting, bending. Chase showed a little bit of bend today. Did you see that on the Bend, bro. I've never seen Chase show with that much bend today. So it's if he can return to that form, you know, under the tutelage of Larry Johnson, who's worked with the Bosa brothers, Tom Bahali, um, and so on and so on, you know, um, I think that he can be the generational player that we thought we were drafting in 2020. I Come hope on so. Now, now. Come I on now, so. now. I agree. I think that fifth-year extension woke him up, and I think that it's time. I think that he said it's his time to set the narrative. So let's see if he sets the narrative in the 2023. Get your money, Chase. All right, I got two more. Two more before we head out of here. I appreciate you. You've been a wonderful contestant on Commanders, this or that. Number six, which one is more likely to happen? Washington's offense rises to the top 10 or Washington's defense stays in the top five. Now, the Commanders were the number three over, and we're talking about total defense, so you know yardage and things like that. The Commanders were number three overall um, last year, um, but they're bringing back the likes of Chase Young, who missed all but, what, three games last year? And then they drafted uh, they drafted Quan Martin and Emmanuel Forbes to, you know, boost their secondary. So they're looking and, you know, kind of, you know, bump up that number three ranking. And then if you look at the offense, they ranked 20th in total offense last year, but then they bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy coming from that Kansas City offense. So, and you uh, a guy with a... Uh, a rocket arm. We no matter what we think of Sam How How, we know that he can throw the ball downfield. Yeah. So um we're in hopes of a couple of big plays. Um so what do you think is more likely to happen? Washington rises to the top 10, top 10, or the defense stays in the top five? Oh yeah, this one's T ball, baby. This is easy. The defense easily, bro. I, I'll go, I'll I'll take it even a step further. We're gonna be the number two ranked defense at the end of the season in 2023, bro. I, I need know. to see it. I find I, I Behind San Francisco, we're going to be the number two defense in the NFL this year. It's time. Chase is healthy. Montez is healthy. Cam Curl's coming back. And we done drafted two more starting DBs to add to this defense that includes six first-rounders on the unit. If they not top three this year, they ain't ever going to be. And we just wasted the last five years of cap draft capital and team building. I agree with you on this one as well. And the only reason that I put it as top five or I set that you know baseline as top five is because, um, you know, defense um, rankings and defensive success is volatile, you know, from year to year. That's why, you know, I've been skeptical of, you know, building a team through defense because, you know, that's not as consistent as elite quarterback play. But I think with the injection of Chase Young, Emmanuel Forbes, and a lot of the people that we brought in on defense, I think that we're going to stay at least in the top five. I don't know if I'm as lofty as you with the top two, which I would love to see. I would love to see us be number one, but I do think that we at least stay in the top five. So I agree with top you. Top two and top two and not two would be crazy. Top <laughs> two and not two. I love the way that sounds. All right. So let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. That's um, our last question. And this might be the spiciest one yet in terms of, you know, off the field in terms of the future of this organization, in terms of the outlook of the Washington Commanders from here on into the future. I like it. So listen to this question and listen carefully. Which coach is more likely to be a head coach somewhere in the NFL in 2023? Ron Rivera or Eric Bieniemy? A head coach. Mm-hmm. 
Eric Bieniemy is going to be more likely to be a head coach in 2020, uh, 2024 going forward than Ron Rivera because one, the offense is going to thrive at least and be significantly better than it was last year and under Scott Turner. But I think Ron retires after this season. I think that's going to be the way that they smooth over this situation. I don't think they want to fire such a respectable guy, but I don't see new ownership unless we were to like win a Super Bowl or get to the NFC Championship. I cannot fathom new ownership having a vision of a mediocre 62-year-old coach being the plan going forward, despite how this year turns out. I think Eric Bieniemy. He had he did his prove it thing by leaving KC to come over to Washington. I think Eric Bieniemy is the guy who's a head coach going forward. Could be here, could be somewhere else, but I think he has the better odds to be a head coach in 2024. And just look at the history of new ownerships taking over, how coaches were gone in the next year or so. So I'm glad we can end this episode with the great minds thinking alike. And let me tell you what um, you know, the stance that I'm coming from. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with Eric Bieniemy, and this is the reason why. I think no matter the outcome of the 2023 season, no matter how good and how, or how bad for the Washington Commanders, I don't think that Ron Rivera will be coaching in the NFL ever again after this Same. Season. I agree with you 100%. Now, if it goes horrible, it'll be because of incompetency. Nobody's going to want to bring him back. You know, the lack of winning seasons in some odd years that he's been coaching. Um, he has yet to have a winning season with the Washington Commanders and things of that nature. And I think that if it goes great, and, you know, well, we end up as, you know, content. Let me give you a caveat. Let me give you a caveat. Because if we win the Super Bowl or something crazy, you know, mm-hmm. the apocalyptic happen, or we win the Super Bowl, things like that, I think he retires. The only the only way I think that Ron is brought back is if we lose in a scenario, if we lose like a heartbreaker in the conference championship game. And it's just yearning him to be brought back. Um, where, you know, he thinks that he can get over the hump. Um, he might sound like a two-year deal because, you know, Ron knows he's getting up there in age. And, you know, since the cancer, you know, his health isn't, you know, the best, isn't optimal. He has recovered, but it isn't optimal. And I think that even um, if we ride the tail of that success and we do make the Super Bowl or we do make the conference championship, I think a lot of that is going to have to be due to, you know, the success of the offense. And we have nobody to give that to other than Eric Bieniemy, which I think um, would, you know, line him in place of being the head coach for the Washington Commanders in the 2024 season. If all things go well, if all things go well. But if everything goes bad, both of these dudes might not be head coaches in 2024. And, and there's a chance that if it goes well, they're still both not here in 2024 because Josh Harris and them aren't married to anything that fans or whatever was inherited here already, you know? Absolutely. Amazing insight from you, as always, my dog. So that'll do it for this episode of Commanders, This or That. I appreciate you tuning in. Anything you want to say to the people before we head out of here? It's 2023. Dan's gone. The vibes are back. Y'all will see me and Jalen out at camp next week and at these games at FedEx, baby. It's time. Absolutely. And absolutely. And as always, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Bleeding B&G podcast. If you guys haven't already, make sure you're following our social media pages. Our Twitter is at Bleeding B&G. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And our Instagram is at Bleeding B-N-G, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. 
BNG. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. There's only one G in our Twitter handle. And if you're checking us out on podcast only platforms, specifically Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please sure to leave a rating. Please sure to leave a review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that the Rambling with Rio and the Bleeding BNG podcast are the two content hubs that you're looking for for everything Washington Commanders. Let's do that. And as always, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Bleeding BNG po- uh, podcast. I have a lot of content coming around because guess what? Football is here. And guess what? Bleeding BNG and Bleeding is here. And we're back. And we're back with full force. So again, man, Rio, thank you, guys. Um, thank you, man, for tuning into um, this episode of, you know, this or that, man. I appreciate you. And I'll see you on the flip side. I'll see you at camp next week, my dog. Always, brother. Let's get it. My guy.